0: Hello folks and welcome to 1001 True Stories. My name is Brian Trombley, your host. Thank you for joining me. This show is where you'll get to meet some of the nicest people on earth. Most of them are just regular, ordinary, everyday folks who experience something worth talking about. It could be anything from a ghost story to a celebrity encounter to a close call to a family camping adventure that went wrong. The theory here is that everyone has a story to tell and we'd like to hear it. Today's guest on 1001 True Stories is Duncan Fremlin, and he'll be telling us about being cast in a movie, and what it was like to be on a TV show as well, and his time playing in the band of iconic country singer Stompin' Tom Connors. Welcome to the program. On the line today, I have, well, I'll let this man introduce himself to you, and uh, take it away,
1: sir yes uh, thanks Brian my name is Duncan Fremlin I'm a uh, musician slash author slash man about town, living live in the city of Toronto now originally from Northern Ontario but I uh, my my background with uh, with the entertainment business is primarily music uh, through recordings uh, touring uh, television and a little movie work as well so, I wanted to tell you today about my uh, my movie experience, which if you're a Canadian uh, fan of uh, of literature and entertainment in general, uh, you'll know a, a book called Sunshine Sketches of a Small Town, Stephen Leacock. Um, so the Canadian, I don't think it was a CBC production, I think it was an independent production, but uh, they had they took it upon themselves to make a movie of this. And I'm thinking this was probably if I remember correctly, 2016, 17, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. Um, I got a call from a friend of mine who, um, he also is a musician and he's in my band actually. And I had just started performing with him uh, a couple of years before this. And I found out that uh, he had much like myself, uh, extensive experience with TV and uh, as a result uh, he was perhaps a bit more connected in that industry than i was so he got an offer one day to play a role Uh, one of these scenes in sunshine sketches involves a Salvation army um captain and uh, a quartet of musicians and uh, so they wanted to put this in the in the play it didn't actually involve Performing the the songs, but we had to look the part. So, uh, they. So my friend couldn't do the gig, and he said, "Would you do it for me?" And uh, now I, I, I have a bit of experience as as uh, you know, just a, an extra uh, from. I don't know, just from friends that I know in the business. I just by accident have been an extra in a couple of movies, which is not uh, by any stretch of the imagination uh, exciting whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> but I thought, oh, this is this is a more fun thing. I'll get to, I'll get to go in and dress up as a Salvation Army captain or something, and and uh, look like I know what I'm doing, which is sort of exactly what happened. <laughs> it was in Gravenhurst, Ontario, where the shoot was. And it was going to involve a bit of a footage on land. And then they were all going to put us on the Mariposa Bell. I think the ship was. It was, um, I think the era was late 1800s. And so that we had to dress. And, and, and I think the scene on the ship was, uh, it was all, all period piece uh, dress and that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. we had to be fitted for this uh i'll tell you it was a, a long drawn out affair to just to get to the point where we were dressed up and ready to go i had my banjo with me so um the, again i didn't have to play but they wanted me to actually have a banjo which i was happy to do and and so i it, it basically took all day it was a heck of a long day it was it was cold it was the fall and um a lot of waiting, as any TV movie is, is just you hurry up and wait. I've heard theater uh, actors tell me that they hate working in movies, even though the money is fantastic, because they can't stand sitting around doing nothing for days at a time. Mm-hmm. And this this was not days, but this was, you know, I was there for probably 11, 12 hours, and I might have worked for uh, 30 minutes of that period, but I had to be there. I had to be dressed. I had to be ready to go. Because they never know from scene to scene when they're going to need us, but so I got to hang out with some pretty fun people. Um, Dennis Keldy is a, a legendary keyboard accordion player; uh, has been for his his entire life. Uh, most people will have will will know his music. They'll have heard his music on the radio, on TV. They will have probably seen him on some TV shows. CBC or whatever, backing people up. He was never a, I don't think he was ever a headliner himself, to the best of my knowledge. But So Dennis and I knew each other. He had performed with my act before, and uh, we're exactly the same age, so we had a lot to talk about. We got to hang around uh, for most of the day, just sort of trading tales and with each other, and that was great fun. If it wasn't for that, I'm sure I would have gone mental, uh, just with the boredom and stuff. Uh, uh, but anyway, And then there was another fellow there, Uh, a tuba player from the Toronto Symphony Orchestra and uh, I'd never met or I never did get to perform with him because it was so darn cold we couldn't even play our instruments and it's not like we could have sat in the tent and just jammed music or anything because it was like I said it was too darn cold and plus we had to be ready to go so we wouldn't have had the chance to take our instruments or get you know get true we had to stay
0: in -hmm. uniform the whole day Duncan Uh, so yeah so give me an idea What? because I've heard that story before all the time it's on movie sets it's hurry up and wait hurry up and wait yes you said you were there for 12 hours and how much screen time did that turn into
1: um Probably sixty seconds, maybe, maybe not that much. <laughs> wow! Maybe not that much. So yeah. I listened to an interview last night. There's a, a comedian in Brit- Britain. His name is Rob Brydon, mm-hmm. and uh, he was being interviewed because he had a part in the Barbie movie. Oh yeah, which is right. So and Rob is a major star, certainly in Britain and and in North America. He's, you know, he's and and yet he had a role in. Um, in the barbie movie <laughs> so they made a big deal out of this in the interview that with with him and he made it quite clear that his role involved six seconds of uh, of airtime on the uh, on the on the movie so you know <laughs> he was probably paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to do this it probably took up a month of his of his year and yet it, it turned turn, it resulted in six seconds of uh, uh, of uh, film time so exactly. yeah it's a crazy profession it's a you know, even even the stars, uh, you know, the, the, the well, uh, Colin Mockery and Deborah McGrath were two oh, people yes. on this set. Mm-hmm. And we had to, we were in a scene with with them. We were the background and uh, they were leads. I think Gordon Pinsent was in this movie. Wow. Uh, there were a lot of Canadian mm-hmm. uh, stars in this movie. Anyway, uh, Deborah was just having st- she was struggling with her lines. And here we are. We're out. Dressed in this outfit in the cold, we're not. It's not like we had long underwear on or anything. <laughs> and uh, we had to wait while she did her. She must have done her scene six times before she finally got it. So you you can imagine the frustration uh, for for extras and and side people on these movies. Uh, <laughs> uh, talk about hurry up and wait! But yeah, when the conditions care. are uncomfortable, it can be partic- particularly annoying yeah no kidding eh? yeah
0: (laughs) so um just to want to let the folks know that um you know this is a canadian production but you uh, uh, all the other folks might be familiar with colin mockery from his role on whose line it is is it anyway with drew carey i think at one time and now aisha tyler so you've seen that guy before the uh the bald canadian guy and he's super funny in that respect also too uh super funny yeah exactly and um yeah, a lot of uh, and uh, Canadian treasures there on the, and in that uh, production, that's for
1: sure. No, I did watch the movie when it was finished, when it came out. I did watch it. I must say that there is one funny scene in the movie, so it wasn't a complete <laughs> write-off. Were, were you part uh,
0: of that funny scene, uh, Duncan?
1: Yeah, well, it, it, it was on the ship, and I can't recall whether you could actually see the Salvation Army Quartet on that particular scene, but... Um, and I can't even, I can't reproduce it for you because I can't remember it. It was a long time ago. But, okay. Um, and, and and so we stood on this ship. And that was another d- uncomfortable part of the shoot because we had to stand on the railing because they were shooting the ship uh, sailing down the shoreline. They had the camera on the shoreline. And so our job, and they must have made us go down this thing two or three times. Uh, and our job was just to stand there, you know, stoically, with our instruments looking like we were playing. And, uh, and, and, and the, you could see it in the movie, but it's from such a distance, you know, we didn't, you couldn't even tell who the hell it was. So mm-hmm. I wasn't going to reach fame and fortune from this film, that's for sure.
0: We'll return to our conversation with Duncan Fremlin right after these sponsor messages. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator Um, yeah. Now, we've always heard the stories, of course, uh, you know, on the tabloids, uh, shows and things like that. Um, was there much, uh, did you witness any
1: drama while you were on set? Well, the only the drama was between uh, uh, Deborah McGrath and the, and the director because it was frustrating. I mean, this was not a difficult scene um, in terms of, of, of lines. But you know, I've been I've I've done enough TV and I've done enough live shows to know that um, as the most simplest of songs or the most simplest of scenes could be, in some cases, the most difficult. So uh, that was frustrating, and I think added to that was the the uncomfort the discomfort that we all felt because of the weather. So, and I'm sure she was not happy with it, but and her husband, you know, Colin was being very patient because he was in the scene as well. Oh, okay. So, but right. you know that's, that's show showbiz man.
0: Yeah, that's the way it goes, doesn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're always doing that. And then, other than that, um, uh, is the is the food any good on a on a movie set? Uh, uh, well,
1: actually, nor- normally it's fantastic. Okay. And in and, and this case, I think it was. I, I in fact, I'm trying to remember. Um, th- there was enough of it because usually. There's way more than you could possibly eat. They certainly don't. They lavish the 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 kitchen. They they make sure the kitchen is well stocked. In fact, I've got neighbors in where I live here. Just down, I see them fairly often, and they, that's their gig. They they caterers for movies, and uh, um, so I've seen some of their work, and it's you know it's all you know it's not this isn't quinoa or anything. This is all <laughs> you know high high calorie high protein food just to keep people going for these long shoots because sometimes these shoots last 12 14 16 hours so yeah right uh, that's a long day for you know for anybody for a long day to sit around doing nothing
0: mm-hmm. well they,
1: they now, f- we you know i have a bit of experience on tv as well we did a christmas show on the tommy hunter show uh, cbc tv and it mm-hmm. was a huge affair it was Oh, uh, millions were spent on this show. It was one of the most lavish TV shows that that I'd ever been on. And it was an all-day shoot, and there were dignitaries, Gordy Tap, uh, King Ganim, um, all sorts of special guests, um, uh, you know, the cast of thousands. And, and so it was a similar kind of thing where many of us would be in a particular choir scene or something, and it would take hours to shoot um, from different angles and whatnot. And many of these people didn't have, uh, you know, some of them are elderly and they couldn't stay on their feet for very long. There was all sorts of, all sorts of uh, things being thrown at the director that was making it a particularly difficult day. But right. I remember that that was maybe even though it was warm in the beautiful CBC studios with some fantastic coffee, mm-hmm. um, it was still, you know, that was a trying day, but again, a lot of sitting around waiting to do nothing, uh, At least in that case, we had a feature role in the show, so it didn't feel too bad, uh, you know, having to spend a day. It turned out to be a pretty special day for us, but, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, I guess if you're a star, it's a lot easier to to put up with this kind of nonsense.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Now, Duncan, I want to go into uh, another part of your life, and that is playing for a Canadian icon. You played with him. And that would be the infamous Stompin' Tom well, Connors.
1: Yeah, and there's another stand-around-and-wait experience. Oh, really? Uh, oh, uh, Brian, it's crazy. Uh, Canada Day, 1993, uh, uh, Parliament Hill. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever been there for Canada Day. It's, I actually have. Yes, I have. Okay, you two, know that. Two times. It's hundreds of thousands of flag-waving Canadians. It's a oh, fantastic yeah. event. If you're a Canadian... I hope everybody can experience that at least once. It would, is yeah, something.
0: Everybody has to do it at least one time. I agree 100%.
1: Yeah. So we were we were backing Tom, Tom up for his performance. Uh, the, the scene is set. It's a beautiful summer, a cloudless day. And uh, we get there early, and they put us in the Confederation Room. Now, Confederation Room is one of the big meeting rooms in Parliament Hill itself, and uh, so you can imagine it a meeting table marble table 24 feet long uh you know 40 foot ceilings and there's tom sitting at the end of the table i walk in the door he's sitting at the end of the table with his boots on the table and there's (laughs) an ash there's an ashtray the size of a hubcap uh, on the table and then there's a a cooler you know not a fridge this keep in mind this is this is broadcast, you know, coast to coast in the CBC. Okay. This is the biggest production on Parliament Hill of the year. This is such a big deal. Oh, yeah. And there's Tom sitting there in Confederation Room. No smoking allowed, but he's smoking. <laughs> because, you know why? Because he's stomping Tom, that's, that's why. That's right. That's right. And uh, and there's a cooler of, uh, of beer uh, sitting beside him with no ice in it because he, he likes his beer room temperature, and so uh, the, I walk in. It's early in the day, and uh, um, you know he's obviously in a good mood. He gets a lot, he gets a lot more nervous as we get closer to showtime. But so we had to sit through that. We had to sit through the the rehearsal in the in the afternoon where they come out and do. The sound check and get us all set up and make the mark on the stage as to where we're going to stand. And, you know, all of that, it's a big, it's a big deal that then we go back to the dressing room, the confederation room, and we're uh, again, sitting there for another few hours and then we get called and the whole thing lasts. Maybe we're on stage for 10 minutes. He does Bud the Spud and he does the hockey song. And, uh, so again, a, an entire day, but, you know, well worth it because look what we've got. You know, talk about a Canadian moment—standing on stage uh, on July 1st, playing the hockey song uh, with Stomp and Tom Connors, and to boot, the, you know, here's the uh, the here's the gold—the uh, cherry on the cake. Uh-huh. Uh, 1993. I don't know if you're a huge hockey fan, but Canadian hockey fans must remember that year for one very very good reason.
0: Last time the Maple Leafs won
1: the Stanley Cup last time a canadian team won the Stanley oh, Cup. oh there you go even better yeah okay and maybe ever brian maybe well, ever <laughs> well you know what you know what
0: they say though hey duncan you know what they say right when the, when a when an american team wins the, the stanley cup right they said well an american team is just from america it was actually you know uh 20, uh, 50, 60 percent Canadians, twenty uh, percent Czechs, uh, th- yes, ten yes. percent <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, Russians. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. the rest were Americans. No, you're right. In
1: many in many cases, uh, many ways, we have won it since. But yeah. yes, I get your point. Yeah. But uh, anyway, talk about it. And then and then they uh, that afternoon, they called uh, they called over to Montreal from Ottawa, and somebody drove the the cup to, to Ottawa. And in the middle of the, of the hockey song somebody wheels the uh, the wheels the cup out on a on a on a dolly with a white linen cloth on top of it and uh, so you can see it on youtube it's on my youtube channel okay uh, the show you can see the the guy w- and tom was you know he was flabbergasted he didn't know this was going to happen he he was flabbergasted and he, he took bet. the cup and he held it above his head <laughs> and i was i was worried at the time because you know he had been drinking beer all afternoon i thought I thought if he I didn't know how heavy this thing was I thought if he held it above his head he just might fall over you know mm-hmm. and wouldn't that be a scene here here's Tom holding the cup up and he falls over because he's had a few too many beers and this thing is too heavy that didn't happen but it, it certainly crossed my mind at the time when he <laughs> lifted this thing it, it would have been a national incident oh it would have been fantastic wasn't fantastic
0: <laughs> I got it. I love it well being on the road with uh Tom must have been uh an adventure to say the least
1: oh yeah it's you know it's, it was hell in some ways oh really had to, oh geez the contract stated that one member of the band Tom had insomnia he didn't sleep oh okay and so it was in the contract that one member of the band had to stay up with him all night oh my um, and you know the first one first time or two it's novelty you know you go in you play chess maybe pull out the guitar play a few tunes you know but still all night, man. That's a long time. That's a lot of hours. This guy never slept and, and, at all. A uh, couple of couple hours, if he was lucky, and then he ate soup all day. And he he was not the healthiest guy at all.
0: So um, how and, often? And he
1: drank from the minute he got up to the minute he went to bed. So
0: wow. And how often yeah. did uh, you pull that duty, Duncan?
1: Oh, uh, I can't can't count the number of times. But, <laughs> but it got to, it really got to the point where uh, he knew I didn't like it. And uh, I desperately find somebody else to do it, or if I was lucky, uh, his wife Lena would be on the road with, with us. And when she was there, there was none of that all-night stuff. So we were off the hook
0: oh, on those good. nights.
1: Oh. So, but still, it was uh, no, it was painful. For it. Some guys really liked it, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. guys, guys who like to be up all night themselves, uh, yeah. or guys guys that like to, uh, you know, uh, party, uh, just drink beer all night, which <laughs> I can't do, you know.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. Drinking beer and staying up all night are two formulas that will not get you to stay up all night. But hey. Well,
1: one thing you were not allowed to do, uh, uh, you certainly could never drink beer and smoke a joint or have a bowl of hash. Uh-oh. Because uh, if you were caught with one seed on a stump, one marijuana seed... On a, on a Stomp and Tom show, you were fired automatically. Wow. You can get as drunk as you want. You can drink whatever the hell you want. You can drink as much as you want. But one marijuana seat man, you're out of there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so something that some of our non-canadian listeners may not know and i do highly recommend folks that uh if you're not from canada look up Stompin' tom connors uh he will definitely entertain you and you can see why we he was a bit of a treasure yes. for us but he had a uh, thing that he did and he would pull out Uh, a piece of uh, plywood, I think, and put it down at the floor. And that's where he got his nickname from, was banging his cowboy booted foot to the time on that uh, piece of wood. Right, Duncan?
1: Quarter-inch plywood. Quarter-inch plywood. Um, My job in the very first tour um, that I did with him, I was the tour manager. And my job eventually became one of my jobs. I had many jobs, but... One of them eventually became guarding the board because at the end of a show, sometimes he forgot to pick it up when he left the stage, in ah. which case, uh, uh, pe- people would rush the stage and try to grab it. Oh, so right. my my job was to protect this this thing. And uh, yeah, no
0: no one was ever successful grabbing it off the stage, really. Oh
1: yeah, somebody oh, really? but I caught them. I brought them, <laughs> you know, and they, they were they were rightfully apologetic. They didn't know that. Yeah, that Tom coveted it. They were just, you know. But uh, there was a, we got to Sudbury. uh, We were playing Sudbury on a Sudbury Saturday night back in 1990, and a bunch of students, uh, uh, university students came out, and they brought a piece of plywood. It was a three-quarter-inch plank. The thing must have weighed, you know, 40 pounds. (laughs) And they they threw that on the stage uh, for Tom to stomp on, and meanwhile, his was a little piece of, you know, quarter-inch unfinished plywood. Um, his weighed nothing. And so he looked at that, and he he just started laughing. He said, what the hell am I supposed to do with that? He couldn't <laughs> have picked it up if he wanted to. So
0: Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Had he, this is what I always
1: wondered, did, did he ever break one? Well oh, he, he would, he used to nail, you know, those, I don't know if you're old enough to remember, but in the 1960s, uh, if I wanted to be cool, I nailed cleats on the bottom of my shoes. Well, like hobnails the, kind of thing. I don't know what they're... We called them cleats. You could buy them at the corner store. They were just little pieces of metal that you nailed to your heel. Okay. So you, when you walked down the hallway at Sir James Dunn, you just sounded cool as hell because you were clicking <laughs> as you went down the hall. <laughs> so Tom had... He had those on his the heel of his boot. So when he started pounding this, this piece of plywood with his left foot... He would, over the course of few few hours, you know, drill a hole through the through the thing. You know, he couldn't do that later in life, obviously, but when he was thirty or forty, he could certainly go through a piece of quarter-inch plywood in a couple of nights. Yeah,
0: no kidding. That yeah, would, that would be
1: how how square was this? Uh, what was I can't, the- You know, I can't. I I should know because I had to go. I had to go buy one once, but I can't remember the dimensions. It, I don't know. It wasn't huge or anything. Yeah, really.
0: About well, 12 by 12 know. or something like that.
1: Well, it'd be a couple of feet in a way, I would think. Maybe two by two, something like that. Right. So
0: I wonder when he passed, uh, if that piece of wood was uh, buried with him.
1: Well, there's lot, There's lots of them around. He auctioned one off one time I saw uh, an auction. He got $5,000 for it for charity. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, when he passed away, I don't remember the year he passed away. Um, or uh, thirteen, two thousand and thirteen. Right, that was it. Were uh, Were you there at the funeral, uh, Duncan?
1: Yeah, yeah. I played music. Uh, I was. They had two funerals. They had one for the in for the for the uh, entourage, and I was that. We you know the RCMP was there, and the Prime Minister's wife and uh, the family, and I was at that one, mm-hmm. and then. The next night, they had the big public gala at uh, the Peterborough Memorial Arena, and I was there for that one as well. So I No, I did. I played at the first one, sorry. I didn't play at the big one, the, okay. the, but I played at the private one. I see. Excellent.
0: Yeah. Well, that's great. Duncan, tell the folks yeah. um, where they can find out more about
1: you and your adventures and your book, even yeah well, there's lots going on. i I do have one book published about stomp and Tom, but I'm working on a second one. I don't know when that's going to be done, but anyway, if they if they do hashtag banjo dunk b a n j o d u n c hashtag banjo dunk all things banjo dunk will come up nice. and that's music literature videos, lots of videos because we have a a, a very popular youtube channel with a lot of these well a lot of the stories that i told you about were, mm-hmm. um you know uh, uh are on the youtube channel so yeah i encourage people if they're curious at all and if they want to buy a copy of my book just get on get on my webpage and send me a note uh, there's a place there they can they can uh, purchase the book it's whiskeyjackmusic.com okay whiskey with an e whiskeyjackmusic.com that's so, right yeah yeah
0: it's spelled whiskey with an e at uh, in, in Canada, yes. but in the U.S., there is no EY. It's just a Y, I believe, or
1: something. You I know, know. When I, I, it's so confusing. It's just, it used to be one or the other, but now you see Europe uh, also using, I, I don't know, it's so crazy. But anyway, yeah. I always say whiskey with an E.
0: The purists go crazy. <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> Duncan Fremlin, thank you so much for yes. your story, sir. I much appreciate it. Hang on the line yeah, for me when fun. we're done.
1: Great fun, Brian. Thank you. Thank
0: you. Thanks for joining us for 1001 True Stories with me, Brian Trombley. And if you think you have a story to share or know someone who does, email me at brian at com. That's brian at com. The link is in the show notes. We enjoy reviews as well as you sharing our show with others. There will be new stories from more interesting people every Saturday at noon Eastern Time. Until next Saturday, this is 1001 True Stories with Brian Tremblay. Everyone's got a story. What's
1: yours? Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.